name high. We come before you this morning and we commit our lives to you afresh. Lord, let your word speak to us, encourage us. Lord, we just love you and we welcome you in this place this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. You can take a seat. Thanks, guys. What a great song. I said that in the earlier service. Such a happy song. And um, good morning to everyone online, especially to my mum. This week you got it right, mum. Love you. Um, last week she thought I was speaking and um, she listened um, and was waiting very patiently for me to come on and um, sat through Ben's message and said that it was very encouraging and uplifting. So I've got big shoes to fill, so I, I hope it's all right, mum. Do love you. And um, I really love Christmas and this time of year. It's so exciting. I love it. There's a buzz and there's that building excitement and that sense of something amazing about to happen. And um, the ramp up is really big, don't you think? Like there's Christmas decorations up on houses and Christmas lights. And um, has anyone been Christmas light looking yet? Not yet? A few people? I want to take Emmeline, but it's that juggle between 8, 8.30, the sun goes down when the lights come on, but that's way past her bedtime and you pay for it the next day. <laughs> anyway, we'll see. But I love it. I love it. And Christmas carols are being played over PA systems across the country and, um, you know, your Christmas movies start to show up on TV, uh, you know, a bit like the Christmas Carol and Home Alone and um, The Holiday and The Grinch. And Phil made me suggest this one, Die Hard as a Christmas movie. It's a bit controversial, I know, but anyway. But there is something really magical about this time of year, and I have a wonderful sense of imagination, and, you know, I really get the sense that anything can happen, and um, anything amazing. And when I say magical, I don't mean it in like an airy-fairy way, but, you know, we serve an amazing God. He created the heavens and the earth, so really anything can happen, Right? And um, anything is possible with him. But you know what? The Christmas story and the birth of Christ is so much more than just a sentimental story that gets told once a year. It's actually part of the greatest love story of all time. You know, someone making a way where there wasn't a way, a plan to be reunited with their true love. It's about our loving God planning to reunite his people to himself, and it was now in motion. No longer would there be that separation. No longer would there be that gap. No longer would God be out there somewhere. God was about to change all of that. So can you imagine what that sense of expectation would have been like all those years ago when the angels in heaven got the memo that the Christ is coming? It's time. The prophecy of his coming is about to be fulfilled. It's actually going to happen. That buzz in all of creation, the building up, the knowing that a miracle is about to take place, something truly magical was about to happen. But I want to take you back a bit. I want to rewind and give a bit of a backdrop to the Christmas story, part of the greatest love story of all time. And I want to set the scene and do something different and take you on a journey that has led up to that magical night all those years ago. And by no means is this an exhaustive journey. It's merely just a a snapshot. 
And some of you might know the story, but for some of you it might be new. And I'll begin to tell you about, I guess, part one of the greatest love story there ever was. We know God created mankind to be in relationship with him. But you see, since the time of Adam and Eve, we know that there was a great chasm created between God and humanity. Adam and Eve blew it. Their sin caused a gap. We read in Genesis 3 about their sin, and, and what, um, but it wasn't always like that. And we also get a brief insight into their communion with God and what it would have been like. They had a close, intimate connection. This is the beginning of the love story between God and humanity. Genesis 3.8 says, When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, so they hid from the Lord God among the leaves. And I said this in the earlier service, but it's funny that they thought they could hide when it's God. (laughs) In this chapter, we read that God was walking in the garden looking for Adam and Eve. And I kind of get the sense that this was something that God did often. Adam and Eve together in the garden and a sense of closeness. And I just think, imagine having God right beside you physically like Adam and Eve had back in those. Imagine walking in your own garden like that and what that would have been like. You know, as it was previously mentioned in that chapter, they disobeyed God, which is why they hid. We see that in one moment, one act of disobedience, sin enters. And that beautiful, intimate connection was gone. That union that was, was now lost. And I've said it before, but God was discontented with that disconnect. This was not what he wanted to do with mankind. This was not how he wanted it to work. God has always been about an intimate relationship with us. But what to do now? God needed to deal with the sin, but he also wanted to maintain that relationship with mankind. So fast forward a little bit in time, and we read in the book of Exodus about a man called Moses and the giving of the Ten Commandments, and you can find that in chapter 20. Instructions or law was then given in the following chapters, and this was God's benchmark for humanity, a way for them to deal with the sin and remain sinless so as to maintain that intimate relationship with a holy God. We then read a priesthood was established and they served as intermediaries between God and mankind. An Ark of the Covenant was established. Sacrifices for sin were set up and a tabernacle for the presence of the Lord to dwell in was constructed. You know, there were lots of instructions on sacrifice and of purification from sin, all found in the book of books of Leviticus and Exodus. God was setting up a way for mankind to be close to him, dealing with the sin and having the connection. God's love and desire to reconcile was to reconcile mankind to himself. Now, in the building of the tabernacle, there was instructions for a curtain to be made. God was behind the curtain, and you can find that in Exodus 26. To get close to God once the tabernacle was built was only reserved for priests and not just any priests, high priests. They were the only ones permitted behind the curtain. So not your everyday person had that privilege of that connection. The priests were permitted to enter into God's holy presence, but even then there were strict requirements they had to follow and only one at a time. 
Instructions of what the priests needed to do were very detailed. Like I said before, they were mediating between God and mankind. And this happened constantly. And I just think, imagine being that priest, having to go into that holy place and that fear that you, you might have had for that. So even though God was with them, there was still a blockage between a holy God and sinful mankind. All of these laws and commandments and the setting up of the priest was somehow to redeem that connection between a holy God and sinful mankind. You know, God's judgment um, was strong and swift. And, you know, there are stories in the Old Testament of him taking out people because of their sin. And Lot's wife was turned into a pillar of salt. And then God dealt very harshly with Sodom and Gomorrah. These are two stories that spring to mind. The rituals and ordinances were all temporary fixes. As man continued to sin, some of these had to be repeated over and over again. And the chasm between man and God remained ever so vast. It didn't matter what God did. Mankind continued to fail, continued to fall short. Because sin came through one man, it only stood to reason that it be a man who was to be the ultimate sacrifice to make up for that sin. However, God desired perfection in his sacrifices. So how could that ever ever happen when every man, woman and child was sinful and continued to sin. You with me? All good? God's love for mankind was strong and deep. The love story continues. God loves his people. His desire is for us to know him and to be in relationship with him, intimate relationship with him. What was to be done? A perfect man to be sacrificed for a sinful man? How can this ever happen? But wait, just wait. Those rumblings through time, here come the prophets, the whispers of what is yet to come. God begins to speak of a plan. Here come the prophets. He begins to speak his plan through them. There is an uttering of what is to come and we start to see more of the greatest love story beginning to unfold. Someone is coming, the prophets say. From the line of David, the prophets say. He'll be our deliverer, deliverer, they say. The sacrificial lamb. He'll be called the Messiah, they say. Isaiah 9, 6. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. Isaiah 7.14. All right, then the Lord will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Isaiah speaks of Emmanuel. God with us. This was unheard of, God dwelling amongst his people, but not like God known before, but as a man, a man who will become a sacrifice, the gap filler, the one to bridge over the chasm. Here is the plan from God to reunite his people back to that intimate communion. This is the greatest love story of all time. 
God calling out through time to his people. I'm making a way. I'm calling you to myself once and for all. I'm sending the Christ as a living sacrifice. Every good love story has that sense of unrequited love, that longing for that true love to be reunited. And that was God to mankind desiring that intimacy once more, without hindrance, without a gap. Why? For God so loved the world. And you know what started the journey of this message was a simple thought from a song that we sang last week even. You didn't want heaven without us. (laughs) Gets me every time didn't want heaven without us so Jesus you brought heaven down our sin was great your love was greater what could separate us now the Christmas story the greatest love story of all time that excitement that was building all those years ago fast forward some more to the gospels and Luke chapter 1 we read about an angel of the Lord coming to Zechariah to deliver the news. He will have a son who will prepare the way for the Lord. Oh, the excitement in the heavenlies. Ooh, God's plan is finally happening. Then the angel appears to Mary and delivers a message. And Ben shared last week an unprecedented Christmas. She is to carry Emmanuel. And the Holy Spirit comes on her and she becomes pregnant. God's plan in motion. And then picture this, a cold night, silhouetted by the moonlight, travelling along the dusty road, a man, a donkey and a heavily pregnant woman. They enter the town of Bethlehem. She's in labour and they need to find a place for the night. Wow, exciting. Thinking back to that first Christmas, the impending arrival of the Christ. Imagine what it would have been like, that that sense of excitement building. That sense that something incredible is about to happen, something never been done before, something so wonderful, it would change the world forever. Amen. Amen. So three thoughts I'd like to leave with you this morning from this Christmas story, part of the greatest love story of all time. And the first one is this, God's love for us is great. You know, every great love story, that love, that person who is in love wants to win back their love. They don't want to lose them. It's their great love that gives them that motivation to do extraordinary things. The Christmas story, the greatest love story, shows us how great God's love is for us. To do all of this, to orchestrate all of this through time, through the ages, to set up a way of salvation is all for love. I'm a big sook, I know. Love for us, love for me and you. God's love for us is great. John 3.16, we know this one. For God so loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge it but to save 
the world through him. And Paul's letter to the Ephesians in chapter 3, this is so beautiful. Verse 16, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, unlimited, he will empower you with his inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in our hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. God's love keeps us strong. And I love this. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high and how deep his love is. And then Paul writes, not just to know it, but may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully, then you'll be made complete with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. God's love for us is great. The second point, God's love is persistent. You know, in a great love story, the person pursuing the loved one never gives up. They do whatever it takes to pursue their loved one, even at great sacrifice to themselves. Through time, no matter what, God was continually at work, setting things up, putting things into place, orchestrating things so that we could be reconciled to him without hindrance that that sin had caused. The birth of Jesus highlights just how persistent God is as his salvation plan begins to unfold. God was doing whatever it took. His love for us was and is persistent. Paul puts it like this in Romans in chapter 8, verse 35. Can anything separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? You know, maybe we've experienced some or all of those. But none of these change how God feels about us. Further down in that chapter, verse 38, For I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. God's love is persistent towards us, never ending and never ceasing. And the final point this morning, God's love is personal. In every great love story, there is a single focus on that loved one. It's personal and it's directed. God's love for us is personal. The Christmas story is all about God's desire for us to be personally connected to Him through Jesus Christ. Christ's birth was all about making a way for that to happen. Romans 3.22 We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. This is true for everyone who believes. Say everyone. No matter who we are. All of this effort, all of this planning was for us, for me and for you. And I love that this version puts it, no matter who we are. No matter who we are. 
So if you're rich or not, accomplished or not, educated or not, if you're good or not, God's love is for all of us and it's personal. We are included in the everyone. Romans 10, 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. God wanted that personal connection without hindrance once more. God sent Jesus so that everyone would have a chance at salvation for all mankind to be in a relationship with him. So you see, the Christmas story is part of the greatest love story of all time. About God making a way where there wasn't a way. For us to be intimately connected to him. His love for us is great. It's persistent and it's personal. Amen. So if the team wanted to come, I'd like to close and pray for you if I may. You know, this Christmas, we can get caught up with all the busyness, buying the Christmas presents, being stuck in traffic in the plaza. Our online orders aren't going to come on time. But Christmas is about remembering. It's about acknowledging Jesus and remembering what God has done for us. Sending his son, a salvation plan. A salvation plan for us. And it's a great time of year to remember that. So I'd like to pray for you first and foremost to just get that fresh injection of God's love, to really know that you know that you know, like Paul wrote in that letter to the Ephesians, that you would know how deep and how wide and how long his love is for you. And I'd also like to pray for the people that perhaps don't have a relationship with Jesus yet or have maybe drifted away, even the guys that are listening online this morning. Just because you're online doesn't mean that this is, you know, you know exempt from it. It's for you too. So if you'd just like to bow your heads and close your eyes, and this is simply just to give the person next to you some privacy. Lord Jesus, I just pray right now, as we come before you, we want to say thank you for coming for us. Thank you. Thank you that you saw us through time. (laughs) This Christmas, let us be reminded of that beautiful love that you want us to be connected with you so intimately and so personally. This year, I pray for every person in this room and everybody listening online, that they would know that love, not just for the person next to them or the lady next door or the man across the road, for them personally, right now, right here, listening to this message. And Lord, I just pray for those that aren't in relationship with you, God, that they would hear that calling, come to me. Thank you, Jesus. And I pray that today they would begin that journey in the love story. So while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I'd love to pray a prayer if I may. And we can all join together to pray and ask Jesus into our heart to start that journey. So if you're at home or you're in the room, join us. We'll pray together. Dear Jesus, thank you that you came for me. Thank you that you love me. 
I'm sorry for living the life I've led so far with, without you. Today I want to change that. And I ask to start the journey with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. And I would encourage you, if you've prayed that prayer for the first time or it's something that you've recommitted, talk to somebody. Be brave. Share that. And look, remember this Christmas and the love of God that is for you. Be refreshed and reinvigorated by that this year in the midst of all that's gone on and will continue to go on until Christmas is over. (laughs) Craziness. But God loves you and be reminded of that this morning. Amen. Amen. Amen.